This is part three of a series that we've been going through called Servant of All. And we've been looking at some things that Jesus has been saying to us about what it means to be a servant and looking at some things that he's demonstrated as well. And one of the things that Jesus said was this right here in Mark chapter 10, verse 43. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. I know that more people in this room can read more people (laughs) in that. So let's try it again. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Oh, that's so good. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if we look at that verse, when we came to that first word servant there, that's that Greek word diakonos, which is where we get the English word deacon. And it's not like, well, what's a deacon? Because that's kind of lost all, all the meaning in our modern culture today. You know, is it just like guys that we appoint to like take up the offering? I mean, what, what is a deacon in the church? Really, the best way to describe a deacon is like someone that's a waiter. Someone that's just looking to, to find where are their needs. I'm going to find a need and fill it. I'm going to find a hurt and heal it. You know, what does a waiter do at a restaurant? They're, they're there, they're taking your order, they're filling your drink. If you dropped your napkin on the floor, they're going to get you a new one. They're going to get you more silverware. They're going to bring your food. They're going to take dirty plates. They're not thinking about themselves, they're thinking about those that they're serving. And Jesus says, if you want to be first, if you want to be great, then be like a waiter. And then it says, whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And that's that Greek word, doulos, where we get the English word, really the best English translation for that is bond servant. You know, in, in this, this version, the, it says slave. But bond servant is, is not just like someone that I have enslaved. It's someone that has made the choice on their own a, to make a lifetime commitment to serve. A lifetime commitment. And of course, the Holy Spirit spoke these things through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but he also spoke through the Apostle Paul. And this is what Paul said in Acts 26, 16. He says, Jesus told me, he says, Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. That word servant is a different Greek word, and that's huperetes. And that's the, the, the word or the translation for that in English would be an under rower or an oarsman. And these are the guys that are, that are chained to the oars in the bottom of a ship. And they are, they are the manpower. They're the things that's getting that ship in and out of, of dock. They're the ones that are out there when there's no wind. They're the ones that are making the ship go. And they're nameless and they're faceless. They live at the bottom of that ship. That's what they do. They eat. <laughs> they breathe. They sleep. That oar. And making that ship move. They're not there for their own glory. No one knows who they are. They're just there down there and they're serving and they're rowing away and making the thing go. They're magnifying what's going on. It's not about them. And so for us, it's about magnifying Jesus. So from these things that Jesus said and the things that the Apostle Paul said, we see this definition coming together of what it means to be a servant of all. And we've looked at this a couple of times already. And so let's put this up here on the screen and say it together. Here's what a servant is. 
A servant is someone who makes a lifetime commitment to serve others' needs in such a way that magnifies Jesus, not themselves. Last week, we touched on two decisions that we make in our hearts that help us walk toward being a servant of all, the kind of servant that Jesus calls us to follow in his example. That, that first one was this, that a servant puts service over status, meaning I'm not waiting around for a position. I'm not waiting around for a title in order to serve. I'm just doing it. We don't serve others so that we can get a pat on the back. That's not why I'm serving. You don't serve others to magnify yourself. We're serving to magnify Jesus. And so it's not about a position. It's not about a title. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he says, Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility value others greater than yourself. Don't look to the interest of your own self, but look to the interest of others. So a servant puts service over status. Serving well comes from a heart of humility. But if we elevate status over service, then we get into the area and we're stumbling into the area of pride. That reminds me of the guy who, you know, his community came to him and they awarded him this special award for his humility. But then they had to take it back away from him because he actually accepted the award, you know. (laughs) This is what Proverbs 11 says. Some of y'all get that on the way home. You'll be like, oh, man, that's funny. Some of you are like, that is not funny. That was stupid. <laughs> Proverbs eleven two says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want disgrace in my life. I don't have any need for it in my life. But what I do need is, is all the wisdom that I can get. And the path to wisdom is humility. And that is the heart of someone that puts serving over status, is humility. Let's be that kind of people. Let's be people that walk in humility, not pride. Let's be people that put serving over status. We also talked about this last week. We talked about how a servant puts character over comfort. You know, God is interested in the development of our character. He's interested in you becoming a disciple of Jesus. And if you let the Holy Spirit have his way in your life, he will mold your character. And that's often not real fun or comfortable or convenient. Sometimes it's painful because it's dying to yourself. It's dying to the flesh. Say, no, you know what? Less of me, more of him. That's what John the Baptist said, right? God's interested in our character development. Now, when I say it's painful, I don't mean like God's hurting us. It means that, hey, I'm choosing to lay down my own own selfish desires. I'm choosing to, to lay down my own fleshly will so that I can gladly take up the will of the Father. And that might mean inconvenience. It might mean discomfort. But that's what I want because that's what God wants. God is interested in our long-term success because he has plans to prosper us. He has a good hope. He has a good future for us. And so what I want to do is is forego the temporary fleeting 
uh, um, the immediate kind of happiness, and I want to trade that in for something that's greater and long-lasting and a fulfilled kind of happiness later down the road. So that was a brief recap of, of what we've talked about the last couple of weeks, and that brings us up here to where we are today. Today, I want to give you two more things, two more principles or decisions that you can make in your heart that will help you walk toward being that servant of all, the kind that Jesus was and the kind that he calls us to be. If you want to be a servant of all, then you need to know that a servant puts we over me. A servant puts we over me. We've all heard the saying, if you want a job done right, do it. Yeah, but I don't think that's the way it ought to be. I think if you want a job done right, do it with a team. That's what I think. That's what I think it should be. Some of us think, well, you know what? I'll just contribute to my charities. I'll just do my thing over here, and you guys can do your thing over there. And that sounds nice and all, but that's not the biblical model. That's not what the Bible shows us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, the early church, it said, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, that does not mean that they all rooted for the same sports teams. It does not mean that they all listened to the same music. It does not mean that they all enjoyed the same restaurants. It doesn't mean that they shared all these, like, you know, unimportant, you know, just on the surface kind of interests. But what it means is they, they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They put their money together. They put their time together, their thoughts, their resources, their energy, so that they could make a difference in the community that they lived in, so that they could be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world around them. Yeah, it's true. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go further, go together. Listen, we can accomplish a whole lot more together than if we're running around by ourselves doing our own thing. I, I can't even tell you guys how proud I am of this church. All the time, people stop me, whether I'm traveling or whether it's even friends of mine here in town that aren't part of Seeds, and they say, how's the church going? How's it going? And I'm just, every single time, I have great reports to give. I have great reports of bragging on what God is doing in our community. I have great reports of bragging on you. I'm so proud to be part of this church because you guys, you're, you're doing this. You're doing this. You're being the we. You're putting the we over me. You're making a difference in this community and even around the world. Listen, we is better than me because it enables us to do something greater than any one of us can do by ourselves. Let me ask you this. How many of us in here today have traveled to Thailand this year to teach children and give them a better education and uh, disciple them? I don't see any hands going up. But let me tell you this. If you give with any regularity here at Seeds, through your financial support and our partnership with Empowers Ministry International, we have given education and discipleship opportunities to 50 kids in Thailand this year. We've given them an education. We've, we've supported that. You're doing it and you didn't even know it. You know, you may have never even, ever, driven by or stepped on the property at Stepping Stone Safe Haven. 
But through our support, through what we're doing together, we're providing food for those women and their children. We're providing cleaning supplies. We're providing hygiene products. We're providing all these things. And we're not the only ones in town. There's, they have a great uh, network of, of churches and other, and, and other groups that are supporting that ministry. But together, we're doing something far greater than if we were trying to just go it alone. Exponentially greater. We is better than me in every single way. That's what a servant does. Puts we over me. There's one more thing for us to put into action for us to walk toward being a servant of all. But before we say what it is, I want to look at this passage here in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, um, one day Jesus is coming back. Thank you, Aaron. We have one person that agrees. Actually, someone over there agreed as well. This is what Jesus said. These are his words. Verse 31, he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king, who is Jesus, he will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now listen, I want to say something, but I've got to like make a, a balancing statement here. Listen, every, every spiritual blessing is provided to us. We have available, it, it's available to us through what Jesus has done. We don't have to, I don't feel like we have to go out and beg for it. We just have to say, God, if you have it, I want it. But Jesus is about to make, connect some dots here. And Jesus is about to connect dots to some special blessing that's connected to how we serve. And this is what Jesus said. Uh, Come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And there is a special blessing for those of us that are engaged in serving even the least of these. Now, I don't know what that, I, I can't, I'm not the one who doles that out. I'm not the one who says what that is. It's the Lord. So I just say, Lord, if you have it, I want it. Lord, whatever blessings it is that you have, then I want. And Lord, if you've called me to be a servant of all, if you've called me to be a deacon and wait, if you've called me to be a bondservant and make a lifetime commitment, if you've called me 
to be an under rower and it is about magnifying you and not myself, that's okay. Because God, you're worthy. And it's my pleasure and honor to serve you. Last week, we were at Blackman High School. And we were serving that school in ways that they didn't have manpower or money to take care of their facility. We were at Gap House of Prayer doing the same thing. We were at Stepping Stone, Safe Haven, doing the same thing. We were out washing cars and giving out free hot dogs and praying for people. And we were out having prayer teams, you know, uh, just sent out and mobilized around the city in several different neighborhoods. And I'm telling you, we weren't just serving those people in that moment. We were also serving Jesus. That's worship. That's ascribing worth to Jesus. The, the point is this. A servant puts worship over wealth. A servant is more concerned about worshiping the Lord than what they can accumulate for themselves. A servant is like, yeah, I'll give up my Saturday. Because, you know what? Uh, you, know, I, you know what? I was going to play frisbee golf or whatever, but you know what? I'll give up my Saturday and I'll go work out in the hot sun and I'll cut trees and I'll you know, rake up just lawn refuse and I'll go pray for people and I'll fix hot dogs on a charcoal grill in the middle of the hot day. <clears throat> you think, man, I, I'm just flipping hot dogs. I'm just washing a car. I'm just painting a gazebo. I'm just trimming bushes, trimming hedges. Now you're serving Jesus and you're ascribing worth to him. Like I said, I said this last week, I'm sure that Jesus loves our singing. I'm sure that he loves our Sunday gatherings. I'm sure that he loves our Wednesday gatherings. But in this passage, Jesus was saying, hey, if you truly want to love me, then love the people I love. That's worship. If you are a parent in here of multiple children, you get this already. You, you, you automatically get this. You know what I'm talking about. I love all three of my kids, and I know, and I tell them that, and all three of my kids love me, and they, they, I know that because they tell me. Um, and I love it when they're having a great time together, and they're enjoying one another and getting along, but when they're not getting along, <clears throat> it makes me upset a little bit. It rubs me the wrong way. It makes things not so peaceful in the house. A few weeks ago, two of my kids got into it with each other. It didn't like, wasn't like Jerry Springer level. <clears throat> but it was probably like Dr. Phil level. So it was serious. It just, you know, nobody threw a chair. We didn't have to bring Steve out to keep everyone apart from each other. So anyway, is that that guy's name? All right. Yeah, yeah. And I said to my kids, I said, do you love me? As I'm talking to the both of them. And they just kind of looked at me like, uh, what does that have to do with anything right now, Dad? <laughs> like kind of shocked. I said, do you love me? And they're like, well, of course, Dad, of course we love you. Then love the one I love. If you love me, then you will love the one that I love. Isn't that what Jesus said? I mean, he says something like that. 
We read that a few weeks ago in John chapter 13. When he's serving, he took the lowest position in the house to wash the feet of his own disciples. And right after that whole scene, before they had left the room, he said this, John 13 verse 34, he says, A new command I give you. Now some of us that are like new to church calendar stuff, you know, and like you, you hear the term, we said this a couple weeks ago, Maundy Thursday. You're like, Monday, Thursday? What is, no, that's, is that two different days of the week? No, Maundy Thursday. Maundy is the English word from the Latin word mandatum, which means command. And Jesus is saying, a new command. Maundy Thursday, this is the day that we always remember that this happened. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is like, hey, you want to ascribe worth to me? You want to show me that you love me? You want to worship me? Then love the one I love. Love and serve others. When you give your money, when you give your time, when you give your sweat, you're showing everyone that you belong to me. Several days ago, I was texting back and forth with a friend about that old Keith Green song, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. And uh, throwing it way back, 1980, right there. It's a great song. And I love the dots that are connected in this song here. First, you've got this verse about the beauty of the Lord. Now, I understand, like, those of us in here, this, us manly men in here, sometimes, you know, it's really easy for us to recognize and celebrate the attributes of God, like strength and power and might and authority. And that's good. It's great. It's a wonderful thing. But it's not the only attributes of God. You know, God is multifaceted. And, uh, you know, God knows perfectly how to wield that power and that strength and that might and that authority. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's not uh, feminine. It's not weird for us to acknowledge the beauty of the Lord, guys. It's not. So I know sometimes you're like, man, God's beautiful. I'm not singing that. You know, that's weird. Listen, I understand, but really, God is, that's what makes him amazing. He's not just one thing. He's not just one area of strength and power, but he's all this. And it's right for us, even in our masculinity, it's right for us. It's appropriate for us to acknowledge it. So anyway, as a side note, you've got this verse You've got this verse that sings about God's beauty and grace. And it says, Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. And then you've got this other stanza here that says, I want to take your word and shine it all around. But first, help me to just live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown for my reward is giving glory to you. You know, at first glance, it kind of seems like these 
two different stanzas or on two different trains of thought. And it's almost like they belong in two different songs. They're both great, both amazing, speaking about the, the beauty and the grace of God, but then also singing about like our desire to walk out and live the Holy Spirit's plan for our lives in humility and magnify Jesus. But what I think was rising up out of Keith when he wrote this song was that when we serve those around us, the more we surrender to the Holy Spirit's work in us and through us, the more we walk in humility, we put ourselves in position, a better position to get a glimpse of more of who God is. To see His beauty. To see how amazing He is. Will you stand with me this morning? I want us to sing this song together. And when we're done singing, I want us to close our time by making a declaration together. But let's sing this right now. And let's mean it. Come on, sing it with everything you've got. One of the core values that we have here at Seeds is that we serve purposely. 
We don't just serve because that's just what Christians are supposed to do. We do it intentionally. We do it knowing that when we serve, we're connecting to God and we're connecting to others. We're serving, knowing that when we're doing this, we draw close to Him. Serving is one of the ways that strengthens our relationship with Jesus. It's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit uses to mold us and shape us into the likeness of Christ. Listen, if you believe what we talked about today, I want to invite you to boldly and passionately make this declaration with me. We're going to put this up here on the screen, and let's just declare this together. Because God has called me to serve my generation, I will value worship over wealth. We over me, character over comfort, service over status, and God's purposes over possessions, positions, popularity, and pleasure. To my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I say, however, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. Wherever you lead and whatever the cost, I'm ready anytime anywhere and I'll look forward to that final day when I'll hear you say well done good and faithful servant come on in and let the eternal party begin father God I just thank you for this amazing church I thank you for this wonderful group of people that welcome you to come and be present in our lives and work in us and through us, shaping us into the image of Christ, using us to make a difference in the, in the world that we live in. And Jesus, if there's any areas of our heart right, God, right now, God, that we need to repent of for when we make it about us and not about you, we just repent of that right now and we receive your forgiveness and we are just so thankful, God, that you are so kind to us and that you are so liberal with your forgiveness that when we ask that you don't withhold it, but you give it to us with such grace and we thank you for that. We thank you. So God, we just say, do a heart transplant on us. Give us the heart of a servant. Use us to be a light to this world. Help us bring the hope of Jesus to the world around us. I thank you that you have already blessed us. So now mobilize us to be a blessing to others. If you're here today and you would say, if you and I were to talk, you might say, J.D., I feel far from God when I came here, but I feel something pulling me and drawing me to make a change, to make a decision, to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of carrying my guilt. I'm tired of carrying my shame. I'm tired of trying to make it my own way. Listen, I want to tell you, you can leave here today knowing that things are right between you and God. Not because of anything that you do, but because of what Jesus has done. And all you have to do is just step in to what Christ has already done for you. Say, yes. Jesus, I'm yours. If that's you today, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Just everyone just bow your head right now and you can just join me in your hearts as I pray. And say, Jesus, I need you. I don't want to keep living my life on my own. I want to live my life surrendered to you. So I turn to you right now. 
forgive me of all the messes that I've made, the messes that I didn't even know that were messes. But somehow now, God, my eyes are open. So heal me of my brokenness. Holy Spirit, come and live inside of me. Change me. Use me to be a a, a world changer, to make a difference. I want to live my life for you. Amen. Father, I thank you right now that you are working in the lives of every single person here today. Those of us that have been following you for many years, and those of us that may have just made the decision to follow you. You are so kind. You are so good. You are so gracious. You are a wonderful father. And it is our honor. It's our privilege. It's our pleasure to serve you. It is not a drudgery. We love to serve you. Holy Spirit, help us love others the way that you have loved us. So I just pray for a special revelation, God, for those of us that need a greater revelation of your own love for us. Because, God, how can we give something that we don't have a revelation that you have given to us already? So, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would download that into every single one of us, that we would have a greater understanding of how you love us so that now we can in turn go and love others the way that you have loved us. Jesus, you are good to us. We thank you that you're building something great right here at Seeds Church, right here in Middle Tennessee. We thank you that we get to be part of it.